0: Welcome to Gestational Diabetes Club. I'm your host, Helena, dietitian, nutritionist, vegetable enthusiast, and big fan of strong coffee and dark chocolate. Join me here each week to chat about all things gestational diabetes. We'll cover everything you need to know about your nutrition, lifestyle and all the messy bits in between so that you can feel empowered to optimize your blood sugar, grow a healthy baby and create sustainable healthy habits to last a whole lifetime without the stress, overwhelm, guilt or confusion. Thanks so much for joining me and I hope you love it here. Hello, so today we are talking about the gut, which is one of my favorite things to talk about, Um, and it's also gut health month, so very timely. And if you're not sure how this is relevant to you with gestational diabetes, let me assure you that knowing about your gut and really optimizing your gut health potentially has the power to shape the health outcomes of your baby, not just whilst they're a baby, but for their whole entire life. Because we're starting to understand so much more about your gut health and how that impacts all sorts of things across our body and how that is also implicated in things like chronic diseases that develop over a longer time frame and just how important it is to be taking your gut health seriously. So in this episode, I'm going to bring you up to speed on the current state of the evidence around gut health and gestational diabetes specifically why it matters to you and what you can be doing to make sure that you get the best outcomes for yourself and for your baby. But before we talk about, I guess, like the practical side of things, we really need to talk about what gut health actually means, because I'm super aware that just saying gut health can be very vague and you might not actually know what I'm talking about. And Particularly as well, because a lot of the time gut health can just be thrown around, especially on the internet by lots of people. It can be really hard to know what they're actually talking about. And so when I'm talking about gut health, what I'm referring to is this community of microorganisms that we have living within our large bowel. And that's called the gut microbiome. And we have lots and lots of different types of bacteria. So it's not just like we have one type of like microbe living in our gut. We have lots of different types. And this can be impacted by all sorts of things. So, you know, even starting at birth, like the way your mum gave birth to you and whether you were breastfed or not, your environment that you live in and that you grew up in, your diet, your lifestyle. All of these different things play a role in determining what kind of like bacteria and microbes live within your gut. And we actually do have bacteria that live all over our body. I'm pretty sure we actually have more bacteria living within us than we have of our own cells, which is kind of crazy. And so we're really like, you know, we're codependent. We have a beautiful codependent relationship there. But today we are just talking about the bacteria that live predominantly in our large bowel. It's important to recognise that we don't actually know everything about what the optimal composition of bacteria is in our large bowel. So it's not like we can say, you know, that it's good to have this type and this type and this type and that that leads to good health outcomes. It's not quite that simple and we just don't have the research for that. So at this stage, what we do know is that it's really useful to have a diversity of different types of bacteria. And there's certain, there's certain types of bacteria that seem to be associated with better health and there's certain types of bacteria that seem to be associated with worse health outcomes. But we really don't have definitive answers as to what the best mix of bacteria is to have. And I also need to tell you about why we want to have these types of bacteria there. And in a nutshell, this is gonna be a really brief overview because I don't think that it's that necessary for you to get um, bogged down in all of the science of this. But basically what happens is that when we eat something, so particularly things like, like complex carbs that have starches and fibers, these things are not digested and they travel down to our large bowel. And then the bacteria that live there ferment these fibers and they produce compounds which are called short-chain fatty acids. For example, butyrate is one that's commonly referred to that generally seems to be associated with positive outcomes. And these short-chain fatty acids play important roles and provide us with certain benefits. So for example, in things like our digestion and our metabolism and our immune system function, our brain health. And we've got emerging evidence for things like our mood and risk of chronic diseases and things like that. So they have lots of potential roles in our body and we are still learning. We're still learning about what all of those different roles are and exactly how all of that works inside the body. So, you know, it's, It's still a new science, I suppose, to get your head around, but it's so important to be on top of this because at the end of the day, this is something that can be so, so impactful for you and for your baby. And like I said before, we really don't know everything. We don't know everything about what types of bacteria we want to have. But we do know that diversity is really, really helpful and getting diversity comes from eating a whole range of different things. And we'll get a little bit more into those practical tips and what you can be doing to make sure that you have this nice diversity um, towards the end of this episode. But let's talk as well about what can happen if you don't have optimal gut health. So there's something called dysbiosis, which refers to having an imbalance of um, bacteria in your gut. So an altered composition, and this can be caused by something like stress or illness or taking antibiotics, something like that. And it can actually weaken the gut barrier. And then what's thought to happen is, you know, that we get increased permeability of our intestines. So The scientific term is increased intestinal permeability, which means that things that aren't necessarily meant to travel through the cells can. Um, This is commonly referred to as leaky gut in the internet, (laughs) different places that you might hear about it. But I really want to clarify that leaky gut on its own is not, it's not a diagnosis and it's not something that you can have that then causes illness. This intestinal permeability, which is the, proper term for it, is actually more like a side effect of having a disease rather than a cause. So I just want you to, to know that, and that's not really too important, I just thought that I would touch on it. But there is consistent evidence that the gut microbiome is altered in women with gestational diabetes, which is super interesting, and we've seen this time and time and again in the research. So there's consistent evidence, there's no clear pattern though in terms of what specific colonies and types of bacteria are associated with gestational diabetes. But I'll, I'll talk you through some of the studies that we have at the moment. So I've made a list of the things like the, the research that is the most important to go over in this space because there is there really is quite a lot. So in 2021, a systematic review, which is basically a type of research where they've looked at all of the other studies that have been done in the area, They first showed a relationship between an intestinal microbiota and gestational diabetes and suggested that the gut microbiome could potentially be a biomarker that could be targeted to help reduce the risk of gestational diabetes. So we're talking more about the fact that women pre-diagnosis had an altered composition of bacteria in their gut. And then later on that year, so still in 2021, Another review found that there was a decrease in butyrate-producing bacteria, which is associated with more inflammation, adiposity, which is more fat cells, and glucose intolerance, so worse blood sugar outcomes. So again, that's showing us, I mean, it's we kind of know that women with gestational diabetes are going to have more inflammation and a harder time regulating their blood sugar, But it's really interesting that that's also associated with a decrease in this type of bacteria that produce butyrate, which I mentioned before is one of those short chain fatty acids, which is usually associated with positive outcomes. So things that would be more like anti-inflammation and things like that. So we've got a decrease in the bacteria that produce butyrate. So we're getting less of those good outcomes. And then last year, at the start of last year, there's another systematic review Um, and 16 of the studies that they included in their review found an association between gestational diabetes and gut microbiota but they again they didn't have any consistency between like the types of presentations they were seeing so we could find out that lots of women who have gd had um had altered gut microbiomes but we don't know exactly what sorts of colonies and types of bacteria are associated with it and it seems still unclear when this dysbiosis so the altered composition occurs but it is present at the second trimester which indicates that that altered composition or dysbiosis is present at diagnosis as well. And it's different. The way their gut bacteria, their gut microbiome is looking, is different to that of people who don't have gestational diabetes. Bear in mind that in these sorts of reviews, they're looking at studies that have lots of different confounding variables, which is like when I say confounding variable, I mean that that's something that we can't really control. So something like your ethnicity or your pre-pregnancy BMI, um, the type of treatment that you had, so whether it was insulin or just diet-related, sorry, diet-controlled, and people like looking at, like the researchers looking at the gut at different time points. So, you know, it's not perfect evidence, but again, it's still consistent with what was seen in that previous year in those other systematic reviews. And then in October of last year, there was another review which found that there was a frequent alteration, again, in the gut microbiome with an increase in a certain type of bacteria and a decrease in other types. So that's the first time we've seen a little bit more consistency in terms of what bacteria is actually seems to be present in women with GD and that they also found that the dysbiosis, so that altered composition, is present postpartum and can actually impact the newborn as well. And so I think that that's really key. That's really key for us to know about, because if you've already got gestational diabetes, we want to know how that affects things in the longer term and particularly how that affects your baby. So seems like that altered gut microbiome can pass on to your baby and so then we, we really want to be thinking about what you can be doing when you have GD to optimize things and make sure your baby gets the best start in life. And then again, another systematic review done after that in December 2022, so really recent, um, and this review looked at 49 studies, so quite a lot. And again, we've got inconsistencies in the results, but there was, again, a a real inconsistency seen in the gut, oral, and vaginal microbiome of women with gestational diabetes and in the gut, oral, and placental microbiome of their babies. So no unique pattern there, but we can see that there was loads of, of alteration and potentially dysbiosis going on. And so... I know I just threw a lot of evidence at you and so you you don't need to kind of remember those details or get caught up in exactly what each study found. I think that the overall theme there is the fact that if you have GD it's likely that you have an altered gut microbiome so it looks a little bit different to how somebody's gut microbiome would look if they didn't have GD. So why does this matter? If we know that you have this altered composition of bacteria in your gut, why do we care? Well, there's a few reasons. And the way I look at this is firstly to say that it's kind of like a chicken or egg situation, really, in the sense that we don't know whether having that altered composition of gut bacteria increases your risk of getting gestational diabetes or whether it's the reverse, like whether having gestational diabetes and having the insulin resistance and the difficulties with your blood sugar and other changes in your body means that you then have altered composition of gut bacteria. So we don't really know which way it goes, but either way, it's still important. So let's say that you are had various lifestyle choices or whatever impacts that created this composition of bacteria in your gut which led to an increased risk of gestational diabetes well if we knew that then we could know that you need to try and do things in the the start of your pregnancy and before pregnancy so preconception as well to be really optimizing your gut bacteria to prevent your risk of getting gestational diabetes. That could be a really helpful indicator to know whether somebody's at risk of gestational diabetes. Um, but even if we don't know what's going on inside your gut microbiome, still to just have that awareness to know that you really need to be doing the things that can help to get all those good bacteria in there. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But Then if it's something that's associated with having gestational diabetes and that you didn't have that much control over, well, potentially whilst you've got GD, you can still be looking at all of those, again, like lifestyle changes and dietary changes that you can make to be able to improve the situation. Because let's say that having certain populations of bacteria in your gut is making your blood sugar regulation harder. Well, then maybe there's different types of foods that you can optimize and increase in your diet so that you get better blood sugar outcomes. And even aside from your blood sugar, we've got to look at the bigger picture too, because we know that if you're doing certain things in your lifestyle, so you're doing things like you're eating really well, you're eating lots of nutritious food, you're getting physical activity, you're you know not smoking, not drinking alcohol those sorts of things. If you're doing all of the kind of healthy behaviors that are conducive to having the um, healthier looking composition of gut bacteria, then we get lots of, lots of benefits like I touched on before. So we also want to be thinking about all of those longer term benefits and the potential impacts that having um, the byproducts of our gut bacteria in terms of better mood, better cognition, better immune system function, reduced risk of long-term chronic diseases, which is particularly relevant for you ladies who are at a higher risk of developing type 2 diabetes and then potentially other chronic diseases associated with that too, so things like cardiovascular disease. So really I think regardless of which way this relationship is and whether, like I said before, whether the gut bacteria is the risk factor for gestational diabetes or whether it is um, like a byproduct of having gestational diabetes, still really, really important to optimize the situation as much as possible. And what I didn't mention there as well is the potential impact on your baby. Because like we saw highlighted in one of those studies, that composition of gut microbiome, or sorry, gut bacteria in your microbiome is basically passed on to your baby so if we want to be giving them the best start in life and be getting all of the positive benefits of having the more um, beneficial composition of gut bacteria you've got to start thinking about it now so what can you do about the situation Well, one thing that I feel like you will probably be thinking of is a probiotic. So I guess the line of thinking there would be, okay, well, if I've got this like altered composition of bacteria in my gut, then surely you can just take a probiotic and that will populate with the good bacteria and you'll be fine. And I wish that it was that simple, but it's really not. So I had a look through the evidence and there is evidence out there to say that taking a probiotic can reduce the incidence of gestational diabetes. So reduce the number of people being diagnosed and can also have a really positive effect on decreasing fasting blood sugar levels and potentially improving insulin resistance. However, there are also studies out there. So there was a, systematic review in April in 2021, which found that there was an increase in hypertensive disorders of pregnancy and no difference in the risk of things like C-section, weight gain, or the size of infant associated with taking a probiotic. And in May 2022, another systematic review and meta-analysis, which is where they pull like all of the data from different studies, found no no significant differences um, between taking a probiotic and a placebo on gestational diabetes and excess weight gain and birth weight and may increase the risk of preeclampsia. So that's a really important study to highlight because when I look at the balance of research here, so yes, we've got some really positive data to say that taking a probiotic, interestingly, can help with those blood sugar levels, that, Benefit, I would not say outweighs the significant risk of um, developing preeclampsia, which is a huge, huge risk to your baby and yourself. So we really, really want to be avoiding preeclampsia at all costs. So I just don't think that taking a probiotic, as much as it could be helpful for blood sugar, is the right thing to be recommending. So. I think we should be going about looking at your gut health in a different way and looking at it more from the lifestyle perspective. So what should you be doing? Well, I think it's actually way simpler than you might realize. I think we overcomplicate gut health a little bit and you don't need to be taking probiotics like I just said. You don't need to be taking fancy supplements or anything like that to improve your gut health. Your diet plays a really big role. So there's plenty of things that you can do with your nutrition to improve that composition of gut bacteria so the number one thing that i would recommend is focusing on prebiotics so we don't want to be taking probiotics but prebiotics are really a different thing because what prebiotics are are essentially like the food for your gut bacteria so i only really touched on before i didn't really give this too much airtime, but just to explain our gut bacteria they feed off what we eat so if we eat things that are really high fiber and high in starches and things like that so commonly carbohydrate based foods our gut bacteria absolutely love it and what what happens then is they ferment and that's when they start producing those compounds like butyrate those short chain fatty acids that do all of the helpful things in our body so prebiotics refers to the food for the probiotics, right? So prebiotics are essentially something that you eat day to day. So we eat prebiotics all the time without knowing that they are prebiotics. And so some examples include things like garlic and onion and asparagus. And even if you you eat like resistant starch, which is when you cook and then you cool down again, rice, potato or pasta just bearing in mind if you're pregnant that that is a potential food safety risk. So I only want you to be doing that if you're very confident about the preparation process of you cooking yourself like the potato rice or the pasta and then cooling it down and eating it very quickly within having cooked it so that you're not increasing your risk of a foodborne illness. But nonetheless, prebiotics and optimizing your intake of prebiotics is going to be a game changer Potentially in terms of optimizing your gut health. So choose foods that have natural prebiotic effects. So that again, that's things like onion, garlic, artichoke, apples, bananas that aren't fully ripe yet. Things like legumes, like chickpeas, lentils, um, beans, baked beans, all that good stuff. There's so many, like there's honestly so many different types of prebiotics and realistically it's eating foods that are high fiber. And generally that's gonna include things like fruits and vegetables and whole grain carbohydrates. And some other tips that I like to give people is, you know, I say this all the time, you've probably heard me say to try and eat 30 different plant foods per week. And that includes things like your grains, your nuts, your seeds, your fruit, your vegetables, like all of the things that come from plants. So not animal based things and ideally whole foods that don't come from packets or have minimal amounts of processing try and aim for 30 different plant foods because then we know that you're probably getting a good range of different types of um, different types of fuel for your gut bacteria as well as a whole range of uh, micronutrients and you know all of the other lovely antioxidants and things like that that come from different types of plants and similarly to be eating three different colors of fruits or vegetables at each of your main meals for the same reason that then we know you're getting a broad spectrum of all of the helpful things that come along with those plants and like I said before to eat more legumes they're a a prebiotic and they're just so so good for your gut bacteria they're like rocket fuel so be trying to include those legumes where you can I know that they do contain some carbohydrates so you need to factor that in when managing your blood sugar but if you can factor them in they will do wonders for your health so get those legumes in you can even you can do really simple things to try and ease yourself in if you're not really familiar with using them so lentils in some sort of like a spaghetti bolognese sauce and yes you can eat pasta with gestational diabetes um, or you could mash up some chickpeas and make your own type of hummus because no you cannot have store-bought hummus with gestational diabetes or pregnancy because often that uses tahini which is not safe in australia anyway Um, so you could mash up your chickpeas and put that on toast or something along those lines Or you could have baked beans. Baked beans on a piece of bread would be beautiful. Or any type of like soup or stew type of thing is a really easy way to get in some more legumes or a salad. You can throw them in. The tinned stuff is as good as needing, like, you know, cooking them yourself from scratch. So please go for it. Make that the one thing you do after this podcast episode. And then, you know, still just similar things like including five serves at least of fruits and vegetables across the day. So that's five serves of vegetables and one serve is one cup of salad vegetables or half a cup of cooked vegetables. And fruit is like, you know, a standard piece of fruit. So two serves of fruit and five serves of vegetables every single day include whole grains. So when you're choosing your carbohydrate type foods, then go for the ones that are whole grains so minimally processed try and go for the whole meal or types of breads and things like that where you can see visible seeds and grains in there and reduce your animal product intake so things like meat free monday and potentially having some plant substitutes again like the legumes and things like tofu are really helpful in terms of supporting your gut health so we know that increased Intake of things like red meat is associated with a different composition of gut bacteria that's potentially not so positive. So, really, just trying to increase your intake of plants and reduce your intake of animal products, which isn't to say that you have to go vegan or have to be completely plant based or anything like that. But a lot of people in countries like Australia and like the US eat a lot like have a really heavy reliance on those animal-based products. And so we know that we do just get better health outcomes when we can optimize and increase that amount of plant food intake. So they would be my best tips to focus on prebiotic foods, have three different colors of fruits and vegetables at your main meals, have 30 different plant foods across the week, really focus on legumes, have five serves of vegetables and two serves of fruit every day, focus on whole grains and go for plants over animal products um, more so than maybe you're already doing. So that's really it for today's episode. And I really hope that all of that made sense because I know that we were going through a little bit of science there, but I hope I didn't lose you. And I hope that you agree that the gut is as interesting as I think that it is Um, And you can really see the relevance and the importance of thinking about it in the context of gestational diabetes and doing your best to really optimize your gut health, to give your baby the best chance and the best start in life. And also for yourself to reduce your own risk of chronic disease and reduce inflammation and just give you those better health outcomes. So, yes, I hope this was useful to you and we will chat soon. That is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you haven't already, please make sure that you subscribe or hit the plus button so that you can get new episodes delivered straight to your podcast app every week. And if you did find this episode useful, I would appreciate it so, so much if you could leave a rating and review or share it with a friend. It helps me reach more people so that I can help them take some of the stress out of gestational diabetes too. And if you want to keep learning about all things gestational diabetes, head to my website to find all the ways that I can support you. Thanks so much. Chat soon. Bye.